everybody, and welcome to episode 88 of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name's Brandon Shawin, and returning to action this week after a hopefully wonderful vacation is Ash Collins joining me this evening. Ash, how was your vacation? The vacation was good. Getting home, and then, awesome. You know, getting sick sucked balls, but you know, I know. I did the exact same thing on my last cruise, came home and was fucking like sick as a dog for like a week after. It was terrible. Yeah. You said that. I, Go ahead. I think it was my, um, either my mother-in-law or my uh, dog sitter infected us with it. They both. Were, oh, gotcha. Yeah. They were both sick with whatever the hell this is. And jeez. Oh, yeah. That sucks. Which, um, which islands did you hit? Which what? Which islands did you hit? Uh, or whichever, which stops. I guess they're not islands necessarily, but which ports did you go to on your trip? Uh, we did um, Turks and Caicos, but we didn't actually get off the boat. Uh, Grand oh, okay. I guess, I guess well, Grand Turks, the thing with it, it's like Turks and Caicos was on the thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah we were there last. It was awesome. Um, and then um, then Puerto Rico. Uh, okay. We, we actually hit on my birthday. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, so we went to the... Um, we went to El Yunque there, which is their the only tropical rainforest in U.S. borders. So, oh, very cool. Yeah, uh, that was awesome. Love that. Um, and then, uh, we, yes, the topless beach at St. Martin, uh, which is on the front. Oh, side. okay. Well, I, nice. I say topless beach. They don't advertise it that way. It is European style, you know, bathing. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So topless is <laughs> optional. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we had a, like a beach day there, and uh, okay. we hung out there on the French side, and got to see some boobs, and got free food, and uh, swam and stuff. So that was awesome. That's a good fucking day. Happy yes. birthday! Yes. Were, Actually, that was yeah. There was iguanas there too, so that was kind of cool. They're just like nice. uh, marching in between the buildings. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, on our trip we had a stop. It was like an iguana farm. It was one of our uh, like on one of the tours that we took, one of the excursions. Oh, neat. and they were these, these giant iguanas. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we uh, and then the the other place we stopped at was Half Moon Key, which is um, yeah, yes. uh, the uh, Holland America's private island. So awesome, very good. So you did you enjoy Holland America again? This because you've been on them before, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I. Uh, I I like Holland America quite a bit. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, but uh, I mean the only thing that we haven't we didn't enjoy as much I think is they've apparently we have very simple tastes when it comes to chocolate and, and <laughs> okay. very they went uh, and they go very fancy which I'm okay with and we and we like fancy but it's just like the you know like the chocolate stuff wasn't as good it's just like yeah. You know, it's just kind of like, yeah, this is this is chocolate. I should be like on the floor orgasming right now. And (laughs) (laughs) you have high expectations with chocolate. I like it. You know, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, but I, uh, I, the the food otherwise was excellent. They always are. Um, Yeah, yeah. They had. uh, We actually tried like mashed plantains at one point. Uh, with, oh okay uh, with one of the with one of the food uh dinners uh and that was amazing i was like oh is this mashed potato mashed potatoes i was like because this is kind of mm-hmm. sweet and they're like no it's mashed plantains <laughs> really okay that's awesome yeah i've never had that before yeah so I add that to the list of things that are good <laughs> right um <laughs> yeah and some, my wife was so, so overjoyed she downloaded a recipe when we got home 
Oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the food was good. Um, yeah. Uh, I actually, we opted for the spa um, because they had, um, yeah, because yeah, as she put it, she married an idiot who injures his back a week before a cruise. So, <laughs> um, but they uh, they had like a couple's option for the spa. Um, and so we got the one where you get into the, they have, they call it the hydro pool. Okay. Um, it's a pool that's got like minerals and other stuff in the water and it's, it's heated. It's like a big giant fucking swimmable jacuzzi basically. Oh, Um, okay. But they've got like, um, uh, like when it's all shut off, it's just like a calm, warm little pool. They've got uh, these like posts that you can sit under when they're active that um, or stand under rather that when they're active, they spray your back with hot water. Uh, So it's like a big, you know, just hot, you know, soldier massage and neck and shoulder Mm -hmm. massage. And then they had another one. It's like a big circle that you can stand in. And it almost, yeah, it almost drowned both of us at one point because we weren't expecting it. But because it like, (laughs) well, it like it shoots water around in a pattern. So like, Mm -hmm. uh, but it like, you know, it, it focuses on one section then moves to another section then moves to another section. There's room for like four people in there. Well, okay. It, it hadn't gotten to us. And then it was like, bam, it hit one of us. It was like, Oh my God. <laughs> but that one was designed for your, for your hips and, and your legs and stuff. And that felt really good too. Um, so yeah. And then they had a, uh, like a, almost like a semi submerged couch that had air bubble or water jets that came up underneath that, uh, uh, warmed your back and everything. Um, oh okay yeah so like that was like neat massage thing and then they had so i so we spent time in that every day and then uh but then they had these um in this other room they had like saunas we didn't use much um because the 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 wet sauna or the the you know the hot the whatever they have all you want to call it the moist saunas Mm -hmm. they okay it was yeah it was too humid in there like we couldn't breathe you know so it was just like uh but they had a dry (laughs) one that the walls were all warm and the seat was warm and everything that one was okay it was okay uh and the other thing we liked was they had these ceramic chairs that were ergonomically designed oh uh, but they're also heated from below oh nice you just lay on those and oh that was amazing Uh, that's awesome so that helped i think helped my back quite a bit um, mm-hmm. Plus, you know, just like uh, the meds I was on and everything else too. Right. Yeah. Well, and the meds were basically just anti-inflammatories anyway. It was trying, oh, okay. trying to get it down. I think the the heat and everything and just kind of pampering my my back there helped mm-hmm. a lot too. So good. The spa was definitely worth the money. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Is that like a room that you get? It's just like a spa room. Um. Yeah. It's it's. Uh, for anybody who pays extra for it, like you can't uh, just go in. Um, okay. The first day you can to get the tour, but you can't use it. Um, oh, gotcha. But if you sign up for, they had like a week option. Uh, so we just signed up for the whole week and you just show up with your ID and say, Hey, I'd, I'd like to go in. Then they give yeah. you another key card. So you can go into the, to the room and you could stay in there as long as you want and go back in again as much as you wanted to. Um, Very the, cool. Yeah, the the only thing they had a time limit on was the ceramic chairs. They asked you to limit it to twenty five minutes so that oh okay that other people could use it too. <laughs> right. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, yeah, but uh, it was it was never a problem. I think we only had to wait for the ceramic chairs like once or twice, and we just popped in the dry sauna and waited. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Very cool. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. Yes. It sounds like a blast. It was. That's awesome. So as a quick reminder, we are going to be back to full force uh, again next week when Mark returns from his vacation. In the meantime, though, you can enjoy your all-American episode number 88. <laughs> USA! USA! <laughs> we dropped another bomb today. Go America! Man, oh man. Uh. Anyway... As a quick reminder, um, or uh, rather tonight, we are going through uh, continue through the po- the PAX cast with a review of the of a movie called A Simple Plan from 1998, and we're going to move on to round 24 of the Besting the Backlog Challenge. First, though, let's talk about social media and how you can find us outside of just listening to the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Cinefessions. You can email us at contact at cinefessions.com. And if you want, you can leave us a voicemail if you want to be part of an upcoming show at 1-302-448-TALK. That's 1-302-448-8255. You'll have comments, questions, corrections, concerns, whatever. So please reach out to us and talk film with us on any of those platforms. And also make sure you're following along on our Instagram account, which is at Cinefessions as well. We post a lot of our new media pickups. And Mark is always on there posting reviews. Obviously, it's been a little slower this week because Mark's been on vacation and I'm just terrible at Instagramming. So, yeah. <laughs> It'll be back to normal next week once, once Mark gets back into uh, his home country. So... And you can like our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Cinefessions, and you can check out our long list of past reviews and all the previous 87 podcast episodes at cinefessions.com. And you can also check out our new logo, which we are super thrilled about. If you guys haven't, make sure you go down there and take a look. Let us know what you think. Hit us up in any of those uh, areas on social media. Tell us how you like our new logo. I think it looks awesome, and we are all very thrilled to have it. So... Again, that was a, a big thank you to Dustin, aka Duddy in Motion, on Twitter. You can always reach out to him if you are looking for any, um, you know, graphic design work of your own that you would like to have done. I'm sure he would be willing to hook you up with a great price. So definitely check him out. That's Duddy in Motion on Twitter. His name's Dustin. And we also want to remind you guys about another opportunity that you have to win a $20 Amazon gift card. So, Ash, you haven't heard about this yet, but we are holding a uh, con- or not a, uh, basically a contest right now, yeah. And uh, basically what we need to take our show to the next level is to reach more ears. And the best way to do that is to get our show rated on iTunes. And so, as you probably know, you have to have a, a certain minimum number of ratings, reviews, in order to get a... Literal, an actual rating on iTunes. And so we're really close on all three of the US, Canadian, and UK store, which I know is where our, most of our listeners are going to come from one of those three areas. Um, and we just need our listeners to help push us over that threshold by leaving us a review. Uh, of course, we'd love a five-star review, but any review at all is going to get you entered in to win a $20 Amazon gift card to the Amazon store of your choice. So for the entire month of April, which it's already halfway through, so for the entire month of April, anyone who leaves the Cinefessions podcast, the review on iTunes, will have a chance to win a $20 Amazon gift card. Now, this means that if you've already left us a review, unfortunately, you're not going to be qualified to win this time around, but don't worry. We love doing giveaways, so I'm sure you're going to have another chance to win again very soon. But if you do listen to us every week and you like what you're hearing, please keep help us out by leaving us that review on iTunes. Uh, we're going to read every review we get right here on air over the next few weeks, and then we're going to announce the winner on episode 91 of the Cinefessions podcast. So again, make sure you're listening to episode 91. So this is a super easy way to be entered into an Amazon gift card, and it helps us out here at the show. 
both at the same time. So it's really a win-win for both of us. So hopefully we'll get a bunch of entrants and I will want to double the winnings. And I haven't said it before, but if we get 10 reviews across those three platforms, you're getting a $40 Amazon gift card, whoever that winner is. So make sure you get those reviews out there. If you've already left a review, tell your friends, hook them up, iTunes, leave us a review, get entered to win $20 gift card. If we have Amazon gift card, if we do have more than 10 reviews, you can double that to make it a $40 Amazon gift card. All right. And then make sure you tune into episode 91 to see if you've won. It is as simple as that. Can't get easier. So make sure you hook, hook yourself up and hook us up. And finally, we want to tell you that this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering that free audiobook download with a 30-day trial, so all of our Cinefessions listeners get an opportunity to check out their services. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, your Android, or your Kindle devices. So head on over to audibletrial.com backslash Cinefessions to get your free audiobook. That's audibletrial.com backslash Cinefessions. So, Ash, Mark and I talked about... Uh, a few movies while you were gone. Um, but one in particular that I kind of wanted to, to go back to was Cherry Falls. Uh-huh. And I know you said you had an opportunity to um, uh, watch that one. So what were your thoughts on Cherry Falls? How did you like that one? Um, uh, Actually, it was the first time I've seen it unedited uh, and not on TV interrupted with commercials. So oh, okay. uh, that was actually it was actually nice for that. Um, I hadn't realized that you'd seen it before on TV. Yeah, it, it, I'd only seen it, like edited to, to hell on TV. Um, gotcha. But uh, no, it was it was uh, it was pretty decent. Um, I don't think it was the satire they were trying to go for. I mean, it was okay. kind of a little tongue in cheek and a little bit fun, but it wasn't. You know, <laughs> oh my god, this is going to be like you know they were they were talking about it like it was going to be scream, and it's not. You know, so I don't know. It, yeah. It's a fun movie, though. So, yeah, um, it is definitely in that same vein of Scream. You can definitely see the influence of Scream on that yeah, film. Definitely. No doubt about it with yeah. the satire that it tries to go for. Yeah. Um, so I guess we can we can mark this one up there as another one like Inside, where Mark and I both gave it four stars. And uh, w- what would you give this one? I'm guessing somewhere around a three ish. Um, yeah, I'd give it a three. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, yeah, honestly, we were hoping that this might be another one that would that would do the uh, the Pulp Fiction way and finally get into another film into our Cinefessions Hall of Fame with all four stars. But that's all right. No. That's all right. Um, yeah, we. I really enjoyed that one. Uh, it was, uh, <coughs> like you said, I mean, it's just the satire of it. I thought it was hilarious. There were so many different... Uh, lines in the film that I just had I was just laughing my ass off like I thought it was really really funny so I I enjoyed it but I'm glad you uh liked it at least yeah wasn't a waste of your time no it was not that's good I I did enjoy it so good yeah I excellent so it's like you're watching Cherry Falls and I'm like yep she's like never mind and just walked out of the room (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's her loss. Um, excellent. So what else have you done since you've been back from vacation, if anything, in the world of media or otherwise? Well, I kept myself busy while we were on the cruise, too. So, Oh, you know, good. Um, they, uh, uh, Holland America, at least on the ships we'd used to go on, uh, used to have like a DVD service instead. Um, oh, you know, okay. We had to, like just bring DVDs and stuff to watch. Like So the last time we went on Holland America, we had 
um we brought mash with us and watched binge the hell out of that um but okay uh, this time they actually did uh they did what princess did and they have like streaming movies and tv and stuff like that instead so you can you just pick movies and watch so i went through a bunch of movies i hadn't seen uh while my wife was taking a nap and we both watched one that we hadn't seen that we wanted to um okay awesome so let's see uh i got to see john wick finally um oh i still haven't seen that i need to watch it i okay i won't spoil it uh at all other than to say that he's completely justified in everything he does in that movie (laughs) that's what everyone says yep and the the first every dog lover says that yeah and the first 10 to 15 minutes are still a better love story than twilight um, so, uh, but, uh, no, the action's great. Uh, I love the hell out of it. I was just, uh, by the end of the movie, I was just like, fuck yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, if you like action movies that have a pretty basic, you know, revenge plot to it, um, you know, with a little bit of like subtle undercurrent to, you know, maybe something bigger, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely worth a look um cool some amazing fucking cars and the dialogue is great uh (laughs) just just some of the stuff that they come up with uh it is pretty fucking cool um i did get to watch specter uh which was other other than quantum of solace that was the only james bond daniel craig movie i hadn't seen they had quantum of solace on there but i wanted to watch specter more because everyone had poo-pooed quantum of solace and i'd already watched um uh, Skyfall anyway so it's just like whatever I'm just gonna go ahead and jump in on Spectre so I watched Spectre yeah. um, everyone was like oh it's so terrible like, it, it got kind of mixed reviews and everyone was like oh it's so campy and I didn't get that vibe from it at all um, Okay, it felt like a Daniel Craig Bond take on um, the old Sean Connery and uh, Roger Moore villains of Spectre uh, so oh, it was kind okay. of like an updated take on them. Um, I thought it was pretty good. I thought, you know, good. the cast was great. I mean, uh, the, uh, you know, the action sequences were pretty good. I don't the The only thing I will say about it is it feels like it's going to be anticlimactic at, up until a point, And then the ending is much better. Um, but uh, I didn't feel it down. The only thing um, I didn't really like about it was the intro theme really sucked i just i could not get into it at all and the video is that the was, one that's by adele no adele did skyfall skyfall okay yeah the specter um i can't i can't i don't even remember the name of the person who did it or the song mm. uh it just <laughs> I, I i remember the video you know that goes with it because those are always neat but it just right i i couldn't tell you what the name of it was and even my wife was mm. like that was probably the shittiest bond intro I've ever heard. And she hates him. So, <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> but, uh, no, the movie was pretty good. Um, that's funny that you bring that one up because, um, I, I don't think I've told you this yet, but we actually announced our next arc after, um, this one, the PAX cast, we're actually going to spend the next half a year going through all the James Bond films. Sweet. So yeah. And I- <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely Man. fucking love James Bond. I know, you know, I own that box set with all of them in there, except for the the two that they're getting sued for now that aren't included. Um, what, never 
uh, Never Say Never Again and um, yeah, and, I can't, uh, Casino, the original Casino Royale. Is that yes? Yep. Yeah. yeah, they're getting sued because the box set claims to have all of them, but it doesn't actually have those two movies. But so they're not actually Eon Bond productions, though. right? Exactly. But yeah, anyway, I've owned it and I haven't I haven't even opened it. Like I just looked up and saw it sitting up there unopened. Like I've only seen like parts of a couple maybe of the um uh, Pierce Brosnan James oh, yeah. Bond films. I haven't seen Pierce, any of the Pierce other Brosnan's ones. Brosnan's my favorite. Uh you know. Um I just know Golden uh, 007, you know GoldenEye on 64. That's what got me into it yeah. in the first place. Yeah, I loved him in GoldenEye. <clears throat> um but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll save that for the podcast. Uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But no, uh, sweet. Um but uh yeah, so we, I liked Spectre. Um then we watch. You know, I was kidding, right? I feel like I'm going to disappoint you now. You know, I was just kidding. You're not really spending the next half a year. <laughs> You're a bastard. I, <laughs> I love that you believe me. Oh man, no, we'd have to like start a brand new podcast for that. <laughs> oh man, just made your day and then ruined it in a matter of seconds. I know. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, uh, anyway, you can continue. Sorry. Okay. Uh, then the other one we watched um, was uh, Gods of Egypt, which. Oh, OK. Which I went in expecting like kind of really shitty special effects and, and terrible acting. And some of the special effects were kind of eh. for the mm-hmm. most part, though, they were fantastic. But yeah, everyone who oh. was complaining that it's a bunch of white guys running around as Egyptian gods. Yes. Yeah. The crux of the film. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it's. It's a fun adventure flick if you want to get beyond that. And I was watching it for free and it cost me nothing to do it other than the fact I paid for a cruise to sit and watch it. So, right. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Yeah, I've heard so many negative things about it. I have not heard anything positive aside was, from what you just said. It, so. it was a fun adventure flick. I mean, the cast is really good. If it had been anything besides an Egyptian based flick. Mm-hmm. Like if they'd set it in Greece or if they'd use like the I mean, the Greece pantheon wouldn't have necessarily worked, but they could have done like a fantasy pantheon with it that wasn't focused on Egypt. And, yeah. it, it could, and I think it, people would have been less upset over it. Um, right. But I get where they're coming from. You know, if I was yeah. Egyptian and a bunch of white guys burning around pretending to be my gods, I could kind of get pissed too. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, um, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm, I, I recognize I'm sitting here from my chair of white privilege and, and <laughs> I enjoyed the movie. So sorry. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> but uh, we watched some BBC documentaries too. Okay. Oh yeah. Uh, um, I do have one that we, we went and watched. It was a live show. Um, it was called Frozen Planet, and it was based off of the BBC documentary series Frozen Planet. Um, okay. But it was a live performance with an actual like set of musicians playing the music to what we were seeing on screen. Oh, wow. So that was, was that on the boat? Yeah, yeah. They, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They actually partnered with the cruise line to make it. So it was like a series cool. of uh, like short story vignettes featuring the animals and stuff and their stories and and the ice and stuff. And they had the um, like a small a smaller orchestra playing it and stuff. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. That was cool. Yeah. Um, hmm. Other than that, let's see. What else did I? Oh, I watched. Uh, after this week, I watched um, 
Midnight Meat Train. Uh, that is on Netflix now. Oh, that's the Barker. Yes. Based off the Barker short story. Yeah, I watched that years ago. Yes, it's on Netflix now. So I watched. Okay. Finally. I finally got to see it. I, I like. I remember the ads for it back in 2008 before the guy at uh, wherever that got. I think it was Lionsgate distributed it. Yeah, I think you're right. Yep. Uh, but like, apparently, it got shit canned after they changed CEOs. Uh, mm. and the new CEO didn't like it, so he yeah. released it to budget theaters to basically get rid of it, uh, mm-hmm. to fulfill his contractual obligations, and didn't like the movie, so he just kind of left it to die. Um, but uh, you know, Bradley Cooper's in it, and he's great. Um, yeah. in the movie because I mean, he has to carry the movie. Um, but uh, Vinnie Jones was in it. I was like, what? Uh, yeah, the the, the <laughs> Vinnie Jones that was, I am the juggernaut, bitch. Uh, yeah, he, <laughs> uh, as the main villain, and he's solid because he only says one word throughout the whole fucking movie. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, he's creepy yep. as fuck in that movie. Oh, my God. Uh, the only thing I didn't like was uh, they were doing great with the effects work up until, up until they kill Sam Raimi's brother. Uh, who's in this? Uh, and 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 then they'd go like ridiculous CG with it in slow mo, and I'm like, ah, uh, it looks so bad. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you were doing so good, and then you did that. <laughs> right. But other than that, I mean, the the way they shot it was really neat. I loved the. They have like some revolving train shots that sounds weird but when you're watching it it's fucking cool as hell um Mm. but i enjoyed it it's not your it's definitely a clive barker horror story so don't go in looking for a happy ending it's not there right um (laughs) but uh you know it's it's not your typical clive barker story either it's more it's almost a a murder mystery uh, Mm -hmm. uh up until like about two-thirds of the way into the movie when they start into the finale so uh but uh I thought that was pretty well done. Um, yeah, I just looked at my IMDb rating from back when I watched it, and I gave it a 7 out of 10. So <laughs> I liked it. I don't remember too terribly much about it, too many details, but I do remember Bradley Cooper and his being a photographer and everything like that. But And I liked, I liked Vinnie Jones a lot in it. Yeah. Uh, but giving it the new Netflix system, it got a thumbs up for me. So <laughs> Awesome. Uh, but uh, I haven't even uh, seen that new system yet. Like, it, on my systems it's still star ratings oh oh well on my uh on my pc it's thumbs up or thumbs down and that's okay basically it. and then they have like a percentage huh. when you pull up something new it has like a percentage chance that you'll like it um okay and they basically they took all of your old ratings and rolled that into the new system but like if you had like starred something before mm-hmm. um it won't automatically say you liked it or didn't like it so you have to go through if you want to mark stuff that you like that way but um it's not bad i mean it's just it's a little bit more simplified you know yeah exactly you know it's like or didn't like you know okay Mm -hmm. i can live with that right absolutely oh i've been playing a shitload of mass effect andromeda yes yeah how is that um okay well i have to stipulate i was on a cruise for the first week that this game was out so mm-hmm. i didn't have to play through all the shitty bugs before they put out the major patch so yeah. fuck you guys are all talking about because it doesn't not there um uh, but uh i i played like three hours of it with before the patch 
Um, okay. And I didn't notice any problems, but in three hours, you basically get through like the first mission. So it oh, wasn't, geez. yeah, you know, it, well, I mean, I was poking around looking at everything too. I was taking oh, okay. my time. So I wasn't, you know, you know, it, 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 if you want to blow through, you can, but I was, mm-hmm. I was being pokey. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, and then they came out with a big patch. I installed that and then everything looks, I mean, the people look better. Uh, but, uh, I wasn't encountering any like game breaking bugs or anything like that. I think I've counted like three bugs so far that I've found. I've played like over 20 hours. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It was one of them was the, the map marker was showing the guy in the wrong place, which I looked it up and you can find him. You know, there's a, a fix. You basically just have to look around. He's in a different spot. Okay. Not a big deal. Uh, but he's exactly where they said he was. He's just in a different part of the base. You just have to look for him. So I was like, okay, whatever. Um, I've had Ryder uh, take a drink without actually having a glass in her hand. Um, <laughs> so that was that was interesting. That just happened today. But all the other times she's had a glass. Oh, okay. so I was like, okay. Um, and then uh, what was the other one? Yeah, she drinks air. I, I wouldn't drink any of the thing that is this chemist puts together either, but you know, hey, that's. Me. <laughs> uh, but uh, there was one other bug. It was it was, I don't remember what it is. Oh, I do remember now. Um, they they fixed it with the patch. Uh, it was a uh, uh, an access bug. So like if I if you failed a decode, um, one of, to decode one of the like the remnant puzzles, um, <laughs> like you couldn't access it. So like I had to like um, reload a previous save, which wasn't a big deal because it was literally just before I started the puzzle. Um, but uh, gotcha. I could understand if people were pissed about that if they couldn't get back in to fix the puzzle, yeah, you because know, right, it's right. kind of integral to finishing the planets. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there was a way around it, so I was just like, um, whatever. Uh, but those are the only real big ones I've found. Um, okay, nothing game breaking. Um, right. But uh, like, how far do you have left? Do you think? Uh, it actually has a percentage meter. I am twenty twenty three percent completion total so far. Oh, okay. I, th- I think wow. you can beat it with like sixty to seventy percent complete. And oh, actually, gotcha. Okay. Um, but uh, I've seen some of my friends uh, that I follow online have beaten it at like they put seventy hours in and had like an eighty five percent completion or something like that. And I was just like, <sighs> yeah, it's a. It's gonna, yeah. It's a good time sink. It's like kind of like Dragon mm-hmm. Age Inquisition, uh, as far as that goes. Like, yeah, it's like yes, you can go straight through and just do like the main quest line, but you're gonna miss a lot of the side story and the exploration and stuff. Okay, but yeah, I'm enjoying it. It, it feels a lot like a super enhanced version of the exploration in the first Mass Effect game, um, with a lot, okay. a lot more elaborate character stuff going around and and stuff like that. So, now is this the start of a new trilogy or what? Don't know if it's going to be a trilogy. It is a, considered a standalone game. Uh, it okay, because it takes place like the the initiative left the galaxy or like I, our galaxy um, would have been between Mass Effect One and Mass Effect Two. Uh, mm. so like they left before the main Reaper war in Mass Effect 3 anyway. Uh, so they spent 600 years going to Andromeda and woke up there. So anything that you did in up through the original trilogy won't affect what happens in Mass Effect Andromeda. I think the, gotcha. yeah, the only thing that you can select even is what gender Shepard you played through as. And that I think just affects what armor you find. 
Um, oh, okay. Uh, it doesn't actually affect anything in game per se. So, um, you know, I got all three of those downstairs for the Xbox 360, and I've never played any of them. I really need to jump into that series and try it out. <laughs> but yeah, it, and so you don't have to have played the other Mass Effect games to enjoy Andromeda. I mean, because you start good. I mean, you start pretty fresh. It's just like I mean, you wake up as your character, and it's just like. Hey, we made it <laughs> type of thing and go from there. Right. Um, but uh, no, it's pretty cool. Um, Good. I, I, I've been happy with the voice acting so far. Um, uh, I've been you know playing around with it. I had, but I've been exploring the shit out of it. That, that was, mm-hmm. I think a lot of that has to do with the way I played Mass Effect before. I wouldn't leave planets until I did everything. And you, some okay. of the planets, you have to come back to them, which is fine. But oh. it was the same problem I ran into in Dragon age it's like there's more to explore in this area i can't leave yet (laughs) (laughs) so oh man but you know they they encourage you to go to the other areas and find more people to talk to and stuff like that so not a big deal okay but yeah i'm i'm loving it very good anything else for you this week Mm, no i don't think so oh yeah my wife wants me to watch the strain with her but we haven't started that yet so Oh, I want I I've been wanting to see that one. I've not watched that one either, but I heard it's really good. Is that on Netflix? Uh, I think it's on Hulu. Oh, okay. Excellent. All right. Yeah, so for myself, I um so let's see. I saw on Twitter, this was a couple of days ago, that Newegg was offering a wireless Xbox One S controller for 39.99. The best part about it was that it came with a free copy of Metal Gear Solid 5 Phantom Pain for Xbox One, which was a game I hadn't owned yet. And so I was in want of another controller and getting $20 off plus a game I've been wanting. I mean, that's a no-brainer. So I ended up grabbing that this past week. I actually ordered that one at lunch, at my lunch break on Tuesday. And it was at my doorstep when I got home from work on Wednesday. It was like the fastest shipping I've ever seen without paying for next day shipping. It was really impressive. Actually, I paid nothing. It was I paid thirty nine ninety nine total. So I was really impressed with that. that um, nice. But yeah, so I got that controller and Metal Gear Solid, which I heard is good, but I heard it's really cutscene heavy. But that's fine. I'll play through that eventually. <laughs> um, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> right. And then uh, over the weekend, I actually went to the Tigers game, which was a blast. Um, and then my sister, who was, they were, was one of the people at the game with us, um, she came over and stayed over. And we were planning on playing like a ton of Mario Kart 8 and Mario Party 2 from the Wii Virtual Console. Um, well, we did play a little bit, but we ended up all not feeling that great. Like I had a headache after being out in the sun and then drinking. And so I just we didn't play nearly as much as I'd hoped. Um, but it was still fun. Uh, Mario, Part 8, 8, Mario Kart 8 has been really uh, my game of choice this past week. Um, and as I mentioned last week and Ash, you weren't here. So I actually bought a Wii U from, uh, my assistant manager's boyfriend. And, um, I ended up paying 150 bucks for the black 32 gigabyte Wii U console with the pro controller and the gamepad, Mario Kart 8, which was a digital copy on the system, um, Donkey Kong, Tropical Freeze, and Super Mario 3D World. Um, so I paid 150 bucks for that. Well, I was looking through the purchase history on the system, and it looked like maybe um, he'd owned Lego City Undercover and Wii Sports, like the HD remake for Wii Sports. I forget what it's called. Um, but he deleted them. So I was like, well, let me try downloading and see what's going on. And so I, the Wii Sports was a lot smaller. So like I'd done first, and I started that up in hopes of trying it out. 
But it turned out that was just a demo and he'd already like played through the time that was allotted on the demo. So I was like, damn it, that sucks. Um, so I figured that the same thing would apply for Lego City Undercover. And so I finally, I waited for that to download and finally did. And I opened it expecting it to be another demo. And lo and behold, it's the whole damn game. So I ended up um, getting an extra game I didn't even know about, which is always fun. Um, I did play a bit of that. And I'm about three chapters in right now, and I just I don't really see myself finishing it. It isn't that it's bad. It's just it's not very fun. It's not very great. Um, the fun factor pretty much already worn off, has worn off, which is disappointing. Um, so even though I got it for free, I may just end up deleting it soon enough. But um, Astro Mario Kart 8, I absolutely love it. It is awesome. Um, I've gotten – I'm like six – I think six of the 12 Grand Prix circuits I've gotten gold in. Um, and so I'm trying to get all t- gold in all 12 in order to consider it beat. Um, I'll probably finish that one up this week. Uh, and then I love the racing in it, but I did notice that the multiplayer battles, which I absolutely love, and I think they're probably the best in Mario Kart 64, they're really lacking in Mario Kart 8, which is disappointing. Instead of doing like... um different like arenas basically like you see in mario kart 64 and most of the other mario kart games they just use the tracks and the tracks are much too big especially when you're only playing with three people like we didn't even see each other for like the three minute time limit which you can change the time limit but that's not going to really solve the problem like we couldn't even we didn't even find each other on these giant tracks with only three people and so that part was disappointing but as for the racing itself it is is so good. I love playing Mario Kart in HD. It looks so awesome. Just the graphics are awesome, just spectacular. Um, and so I pretty much I feel in my own mind that I've justified my hundred fifty dollar purchase already. Even and I haven't even started playing Mario Three D World yet or Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. So I'm very happy with my purchase. Ash, do you own a Wii U? I do not. Okay. Did you ever and get rid of it, or you just never owned one? I never owned one. We bought a we bought a Wii okay. um, for my wife. Uh, actually, that's yeah. her system, not mine. And mm-hmm. I played like Wii Sports with her, and I think I reviewed like one or two games for it. And other than that, oh, okay. I barely touched it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she actually punched me in the face with the the Wii Mote at one point. So <laughs> we were playing tennis. So yeah, that's hilarious. But yeah, so I I I just didn't we got like we got her games for it um Mm -hmm. uh, it's like she has an rpg i would love to play i just never sat down and do it um yeah there was a it was the last story it was uh for the okay yeah it was for the wii specifically and that one was really Mm -hmm. good um like what i saw for playing it i haven't touched it yeah so yeah, and that's what I was telling mark last week like i had the wii for a long time but i stopped playing it probably month uh, maybe a couple years after i because I, I guess i did play it for a while but after a couple years after i had it i just didn't play it anymore but i kept it because i had all these virtual console games on there mm-hmm. um and then I eventually sold it and then i won't repeat the story for our listeners but i'll just tell you like i find i got all my i got a new wii from my sister who was getting rid of hers and so i was able to transfer them because fortunately my mom kept the old box from my old wii and so i was able to get the serial number off of it and so i was able to transfer it onto my new system all and right. so I got those all back, which was awesome. But eventually I'll probably move them over to the Wii U, but it'll be a lot easier because I have both systems. But um, yeah, I, you know, I had no interest in the Wii U at all, but she would mention that her boyfriend was selling because he got the Switch. 
And it was only at first she said a hundred bucks, and I was like, "Oh wait, hundred dollars! Like that's really cheap." And then she texted him or whatever, and was like, "You know, all the games and everything will be one fifty. And I was like, "That's really cheap. Like even if I want to, even if I decide I don't like it and I want to sell it in six months, I, I or a year, like I, I'm pretty certain I can get at least a hundred and fifty dollars from this, even if not a hundred and fifty, a hundred bucks for everything that I have. You know what I mean? Selling it on Craigslist or something like that because it's going for like two hundred bucks still at at uh." Just the system at GameStop. So, I mean, yeah. it was a very good deal. So, I'm happy. I'm happy I have it. And I'm really liking it. The graphics are just really good, which is interesting because I never even thought about the fact that it has HD graphics, you know, compared to like the Wii, which only 480p is the the best output you can have there. And it just doesn't look very good. Yeah. But Mario in HD is, is, is a lot of fun. I like it. Yeah. Um, I... I like I have a th- the the Nintendo system that we got the most play out of was our 3DS. Um oh, okay. Um but uh most of that is Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Um I'd say like 90 well probably 90% of my wife's play on that is Pokemon, probably about yeah. 60% is mine because I've got Fire <laughs> Emblem. Um Oh, okay. Games too, but- Very good. Okay. Fair enough. She has other games. <laughs> she wants me to let you know. She has other games. Right. <laughs> oh, but, uh, but yeah, it was, so basically mine is a Pokemon and Fire Emblem uh, portable. Uh, anyway, it's not, it's gotcha. not the 3DS. It's the Fire Emblem Pokemon portable. Right. <laughs> uh, that's all I play on it. I, 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 right. I just hadn't... I never... I said Pokemon. But uh, they... Uh, I don't know. It just... <sighs> It's like I like Nintendo. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong; the games look like a lot of fun, but I don't know. I, yeah, I'm not the target audience anymore. I, I don't know. Right. I just it's like when I think of Zelda, I think of either Ocarina of Time on the N64 or the original one I played back on the NES, and it's just like they keep yeah. coming out with new ones. They're like they're so much fun. It's like it's the same game. I, I know <laughs> I play a lot of sequels, but it's just like I right. don't know. I don't know. I yeah. I just got to get my yeah. N64 hooked back up and working. We're good to go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that pretty much covers everything. It was unfortunately a, a very busy weekend. So, I didn't get a whole lot of media things done other than Mario Kart. So, that'll be my whole week in media, yeah. which segues over to our question of the week, which it's not a new one, but it's one I want to hear your answer on because uh, Mark and I answered it last week. And so, obviously, we're all gamers. Uh, and I feel like every gamer has that system that they can they claim is their own. The one that either got them into video games or just the system that they've loved playing the most over the years. So, Mark said that his was, his system was the Sega Master System, which is something I found interesting because like I, I really never even knew about the Sega Master System at all until very recent. Like I didn't even know that existed. Um, and so, I never really played it. Uh, myself other than like on an emulator or whatever just a little bit and for me it was the playstation 2 because it was really the first system that i uh, bought with my own funds after trading in things and whatnot and remember you know just being super excited for the launch day and and purchasing it you know getting it and everything so ash for you what is would you say is quote unquote your system the one that basically means the most to you out of all the different generations and options out there um okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna preface this i've got i've got two separate answers for this because mm-hmm. the system that got me into it is not the system that I love um, but the system that actually got me into gaming was the Atari 2600 um, oh okay yeah that was the original one I had I got the 
Uh, I got like the slim version. I got a bunch of hand-me-down games from my cousins, and I loved the hell out of that system. But then I ended up getting an NES um, a couple years later, and uh, that I loved too. Um, yeah, uh, but uh, so that was that was my start was the NES and the Atari. Um, yeah, but my start was I had the NES, which is the same thing. Like my uncle gave me his with like tons and tons of games, and so that was the first one that I I had. Mm-hmm. But same story type of story with your atari yeah i i would say pc but there's so many generations of pc games that it just <laughs> you know pc kind of spans a long time but right like, we're talking consoles though so um playstation had like a lot of good stuff uh i didn't have a lot of time to play my original playstation when we got it because uh, i was working mm-hmm. a lot um and in college and everything else um right what I started playing a shitload of, well, though, was the PlayStation 2. I have more yes. games for the PlayStation 2 than I have for any other system I have ever owned and ever will. Oh, <laughs> um, and some of them are my wife's. I, I will give her that, you know, but mm-hmm. it's like most of them we both will play. Uh, there's very yeah. few of that system that we won't. I, the, my last count, uh, and I bought more after this, so I was at like 55 plus games for the PS2. Uh, mm-hmm. And we've got more than that now. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I love the hell out of my PlayStation two. Um, I, I did like the PlayStation three and what they did with it. And I'd love my PlayStation four, but yeah, the PlayStation two was what solidified m- me as like firmly in the, the Sony end of things. Um, right. Cause I just, I love that system. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so that, that would be my, my two part reply to that. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, definitely agree with you. I- Huge, huge fan of the PS2, obviously, because that's what I talked about all last week. Um, it's just a just a great system. Um, yeah, I actually had all – I've had like uh, – so I had the Nintendo. I didn't have the Sega Master System. I had – never owned a Genesis. I had to have a Super Nintendo. I've owned a Genesis since, but not like when it was new. And then I went PlayStation. So I went Sony over N64 and uh, liked my decision there. And then went PS2, but then at that era, I was starting to ha- have a little more money. And so I had the PS2, I eventually got the Xbox, and then I uh, had the GameCube because my sister wanted the GameCube in the house. And so I had all three of those. And then I had a PS3, a Wii, and a, and a 360, or PS3, Wii, yeah, I said that right, and a 360 when those were out. Um, and then it wasn't until this last with the PS, oh, I have the PS4 and the Xbox One, I guess now I have the Wii U. That's not new anymore because I guess the Switch is the equivalent of the current generation, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I've been fortunate that I've been able to uh, have all pretty much all the different systems at any given time once I got old enough to start making money. So, yeah, uh, that worked out for me. So, I, that's why I feel like I don't I'm not I don't preference one over the other, I guess. Yeah, we had um, when I was growing up, we had the Atari uh my mm-hmm. cousins at my house and then we bu- I had the NES. Um I didn't get a Super Nintendo. Um but my friend Alex had a Super Nintendo and my other friend Jason had a Genesis. So when I go over oh, okay. we play those. Mm-hmm. Um uh and then um I didn't get uh an N64. Uh, but when I married my wife, she came with one. Um, <laughs> uh, so that's how I have an N64. But uh um, okay. 
and then uh, we also after we after she moved in, that's when we got the PlayStation. But they she also had an older Genesis system. Um, that oh, okay. Have around, but I don't think it works anymore. Yeah, hmm. remember we had the Genesis. That was right. We did break it to move. Oh, oh okay. Oh, not we. Oh, not we. So apparently it was me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, very good. So if you have a question for the three of us here at the podcast, please hit us up using that hashtag in film we trust for all the questions you'd like answered here on the show. And we are going to do our best to answer all of them. Again, tweet at us using that hashtag in film we trust. And for whatever reason you're not on Twitter, give us a call at 1-302-448-TALK or email us at cinef- uh, contact com for any question of the week options. All right, so let's transform back into the PAX cast. Game over, man. Game over. <laughs> All right, so today we are talking about 1998's A Simple Plan. And again, like always, if you've not seen this film, there will be spoilers. This is your one and only warning. There will be spoilers from the beginning of the film to the end of the film. So if you've not seen it, hit pause, go watch the film. Come back and hit play and listen to our discussion on 1998's A Simple Plan. Now, this one is directed by Sam Raimi, which I had no idea and found that fascinating (laughs) when I saw that credit go by. I was like, no, no shit. It was written by Scott B. Smith, and it's actually based on the novel by Scott Smith as well. Um, It has an IMDb score of 7.5 out of 52,891 votes, a Metacritic score of 82, a 90% tomato meter, and an audience score on Rotten Tomatoes of 81%, which has got to be some of the highest numbers we've been talking about in a long time. It had a $30 million budget, but only a $16.3 million gross. So, Ash, what is your history with A Simple Plan? Um, this uh, I watched it this weekend. <laughs> Perfect. Excellent. That's a good history. I didn't even know. Yeah, I didn't even know it existed until uh, you told me we were watching it. Yep, me either. Yeah, I think Mark brought it up as one as an option for us, and that was like the first time I'd heard about it. Um, and so, yes, I too was watching for the first time this weekend. And just as a, a note. Um, I watched this on Amazon Instant Video, which came free with my Prime subscription, and Ash watched this with his Hulu subscription, which is obviously the paid Hulu subscription. And so if you are looking for it and haven't watched it yet, you probably aren't listening to this right now, but if for whatever reason you are, that's how you can watch it. So right from the start, I uh, what struck me right from the, be- from the beginning, so we're, we get these shots of the, of the snow-covered town, right? And there was something unsettling about the music it wasn't that it was scary or tense it just gave me the feeling that something is off did you feel that at all with that with the beginning of this film yeah um i think the it helped too that um the way they frame the shots it's a lot of stark contrast Mm -hmm. it was almost almost like a a black and white shot uh, but, it, you know, yeah, that's it, true. Frame that way. But it wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. obviously. But right. the, yeah, they they went for very stark contrast, especially with the snow and, and everything else. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was interesting. I made note that the so obviously you get this this voiceover narration from um, Hank, right? Bill Paxton's, Paxton's character. And it was almost it was weird because it was almost emotionless as he was saying it in the beginning which I wasn't sure if it was the intention. But then the voiceover comes back at the end. And so I'm wondering, 
if both the if the voiceovers you know if they take place both of them after the events of this which if that's the case then I can kind of see where the uh, kind of that emotionless feeling comes from because he would be I, I'm sure he's just emotionally drained from all this by the end oh, of it you yeah. know what I mean and so that's if it's something that's looking back on if we're hearing the story from his point of view uh, and obviously if he's telling the story that means it's happened already then I can completely understand that but going in I, I didn't know that because I had no idea what this I, I knew there was basically like a they find money and they have a plan that goes wrong and that's all I knew of it I didn't know virtually anything else about it but so I thought that was interesting it was just something I noted I guess in the beginning of the movie there with that with that voiceover narration and then we get that small town feeling really kind of planted in us right implanted so we Hank is he's well known he's well liked and virtually everybody knows him as he's walking down the streets. He knows everybody by their first name. So obviously we are living or he is living. And so we are going to be spending time in a, in a very small town, which I think is important because it's, it's, <laughs> it, it's just, it's essential to kind of the way this story plays out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cause if it was like in a city or a place where he wasn't well known, it would have been very different. Oh, absolutely. It would have been, I feel like, so much easier. I do but because to of that the uh, yeah the book was originally written and takes place in Ohio, and the movie, oh really yeah, the movie is set in Minnesota. <laughs> is that where it was? I wasn't sure where yeah. it was. Yep, it's. I thought I saw Minnesota. a New York license plate at one point. That's why I was saying, oh, New York. But no, it makes more sense that it's in Minnesota because it's very, uh, like small town hick, you know, kind of white well, trash yeah. type of <laughs> setting. You get that in Ohio, though, too. No, no offense. Oh, Ohio, yeah, you get that. But, you know, Michigan, too, absolutely. But I feel like, uh, yeah, the Midwest here, it makes sense. <laughs> um, it, it struck me. Did you notice her, the, the wife, what was her name? Sarah's, her uh, pregnant belly. It was like the biggest fucking pregnant belly I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Did you catch that at all? Uh, I didn't really i was i just oh she's pregnant that was that was all yeah. i talked it up to it's <laughs> like oh my god yeah some women oh man do, you know gain quite a bit absolutely and she was pretty um, popping though too as as my way put it oh yeah right yeah so obviously we are you know have transformed ourselves into the pax cast in honor of bill paxton and um he's uh, the main character in this and kind of everything revolves around him um, but I think this was really Billy Bob Thornton's film to steal, and he did just that. Oh yeah, he he, he actually he, got nominated for an Oscar for this, and he won Best yeah. Supporting Actor for a lot of other shows too. Mm -hmm. Um, very worthy. My yeah. God, he was unrecognizable when he walked up. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even realize it was him for a second. I was like, oh my God! And then the way he plays this, I mean, it's just. The sympathy he's able to garner is yeah. Ph uh, phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. As my wife put it, you know, Billy Bob Thornton's so weird; it's easy to forget he's a good actor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly right. I mean, this is the best I've seen him, and I was I meant to look at his um, like his film history and see if there was something that I was forgetting um, that I've seen him in that he was really good. And, and that's what I, other thing I was going to say. I haven't seen Sling Blade, but I've heard uh, he's excellent in that too. Oh my god, he. Well, he, I mean, he wrote the the original like one man 
part that he that it's based off of but yeah he oh okay it's phenomenal uh it, it, you can't tell it's him like hmm. you you won't think it's him it, it's, yeah it's the same kind of transformation type thing so that's awesome so I wasn't sure as the as the movie started, but it gets it gets pretty obvious as it goes on that we are dealing with not not three I don't think, but two people that are or one person that is clearly handicapped and, and mentally handicapped in some way, shape, or form. He's he's slow, and then another guy who's just kind of an idiot. Mm-hmm. And then you have the college graduate who's working at you know he has a good job and and so on and so forth. Um, and so you get a interesting group of, of guys to, to deal with. And I think, and then, and then as it goes on, you meet Sarah, who I think is a fascinating character because of the choices that she makes as it goes on. Um, like later on in the film, it just, it felt like she has this dark side that you don't see at all in probably the first half of the movie. And then it comes out and it's like, wow. And she oh, just yeah. keeps getting deeper and deeper. Well, and it's yeah. it's a fascinating arc. And, and I think Bill Paxton's character has it too because he's very yeah. oh, unassuming. Yeah. Like when he does yep. this shit and he just get – he doesn't even like flip a switch. He just does it. I know. Yeah. And it's just like – And it's perfect because she says at toward the end of the film, she's like, no one would believe that you're capable of the things that you've done. Mm-hmm. And, and it's so true. And that's how they get away with it. You know, like – Mm-hmm. It's not what you expect. Um, I really liked the setup to this. It felt it felt very realistic. As someone who's had like three car deer accidents in my time, and two of them ran into the side of my car, so I don't want to hear any shit. But I find it completely believable that this fox would run out in the middle, and then they they smack into the tree and everything, um, and then they take off. It just it was a very plausible setup, which I appreciated. Um, and I think that that pretty much stays throughout the whole thing. The only time when I was like, not even questioning the legitimacy of it, but I guess kind of that was at the at the end of the film when it turns out that his wife's hunch is right, and the you know the the main bad guy of the movie, I guess, or whatever at the end there actually isn't the FBI agent that he's claiming to be, which I thought was. A, a bit of a a bit of a jump, I guess, a bit of a leap to have to accept. But I was so enamored at that point that I I bought it. But well, and it's not necessarily because I could see that sheriff just you know I'm with the FBI and not him not even checking credentials. Yeah, just like no, oh, that's okay. yeah, that's very true. Yeah, I guess it's more just her the way she just she just came to it. She's just like, did you see his badge? Like out of nowhere. And she knows that it's the brother when she hasn't even seen the guy. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, my wife would like to interject something real quick. Yeah. Uh, about your, your car and Bambi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Ba- Bambi would appreciate it if you would stop uh, murdering <laughs> his people with your vehicle. Oh, man. They ran into the side of my car as I'm driving. What's a That's man to true. do? Uh, yeah, no victim shaming here. Sorry. We are in a victim-free oh, shaming zone. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, so so the big question here, Ash, would you take the money, leave it, or would you go to the police? 
four. You don't know how much it is, but you know it's a lot. But you eventually find out it's over four million dollars. Cons- okay. Well, uh, see, that's the problem. I I think they didn't have a lot. Well, see, that's the thing here. You know, it's like I wouldn't have thought about the FBI being involved with it or them mm-hmm. having serial numbers and all that other shit. So I probably would have taken the money and ran off with my wife. almost immediately like you know pack your shit we are leaving right and i would have gone to another country and deposited into a bank there and moved the money elsewhere and then you know move to that other place and be like fuck Mm -hmm. it i'm done there it is words to live by by ash take the fucking money and run (laughs) (laughs) but on the other hand Uh, i don't even like getting a speeding ticket and you just (laughs) have a good body so, exactly. so, so my first instinct would be like, holy shit, let's take the money around. The second instinct would be like, I don't want to go to jail. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think, yeah, that, that's, there's a thought. Take the money, but call in the plane. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we found oh, a dead man. body in a plane. Wow, <laughs> there was nothing else in there, officer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I loved the imagery of the black crows watching the three of them make this decision yes. because you see those crows a lot as it goes on. And a lot of it's while they're decision-making, you know, or while things are turning. Um, and I thought that was really cool. Just a really strong choice. And I like the, the, the crows too are an interesting, they stand out against the white background. Yeah. The snow and exactly. the trees and shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bless you. Excuse me. <laughs> Ah. Ash is still getting over a cold, so excuse the oh sneezing. I'm better. At when you. the um, <laughs> the first moment of tension, and there are a lot of moments of tension in this that work really well, but the first one is they t- decide to take the money back to the truck, and they count it, and it's just sitting there, and the cop pulls up, oh my and God. they cover the money, but they don't even cover all of it. They cover like three out of the four rows or whatever. Yeah. And man, that was so tense. And then- fucking jacob man comes up and has to open his mouth and it's like oh what are you why are you talking right now like what's going on oh man i was like i was tense watching that scene i loved it yeah that was especially when he he mentions he's like did you hear a plane earlier yeah his brother looks like like, are you fucking serious right now i know Yeah, the, Man, look, like, the look on Paxton's face when he says that is just priceless. It's like, shut mm-hmm. your whore mouth. What are you doing? <laughs> I think it's interesting because Jacob kind of, so they get into this situation. They decide to take the money and so they're in it. But it's Jacob's decision to hit the farmer, whose name I'm forgetting, but hit the farmer in the head with a crowbar that takes this film to a whole nother level. Then I just, I wasn't expecting that at all. And it happens so early on in the film. I was like, holy shit, like we are already at the next level. <laughs> like, how do you go back from this, you know? And then it just escalates because he's not dead and and Hank smothers him. I mean, just escalation after escalation. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that uh, I'm going to agree with my wife on this one. I don't necessarily think it was a decision Jacob made. I think it's tire and head problem solved yeah <laughs> that's true right yeah, yeah. it's just boom it's, it's just action yeah it just happens because you didn't know what to mm-hmm. do 
Right. Yeah, because he says, you know, he was coming out to see, he was going to see everything. What, do you, what was I supposed to do? Um, but. Yeah. Yeah, my wife, my wife brought up that they, she had a moment like that when, when uh, our son was a kid. Um, <laughs> and some guy tried to take him from a, a, oh. a school. Yeah, or oh, not geez. a school, but a playground. Yeah, he'd actually picked her up. Uh, yeah, he'd been hanging out and he picked Danny up off a of playground equipment and my wife had a, a wrench in her hand because she was fixing her bike and she just walked up and smacked him with it oh man but that's she doesn't crazy remember even doing that yeah wow that's a, that is nuts that is terrifying but crazy yeah she didn't even know she hit him like the the other people that were there had to tell her that she's like oh oh jeez <laughs> wow that's scary yeah yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I can totally see him just reacting, just do it. Yeah, exactly. Like, this dude's about to fuck everything up, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um. <coughs> so, Lou was such an interesting character to me. Again, just really well acted. I mean, uh, I don't have their names from. I didn't pull up the IMDb like I normally do, but uh, he just did a great job with what he was given, and I love. So they decide that they're not going to tell anybody. And as soon as he gets out of the truck when he's back home, you can hear him say, hey, I was gone for a good reason. I, I mean, and he says something else and it's like, oh, so you literally just decided not to talk about it. And then seconds in, Brent Briscoe is his name, seconds in, you know he's telling his wife about it. Yeah. And then Hank does the exact same thing. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to tell Sarah. And then fucking the second he gets home, what would you do if you found $4 million? And he pulls it out. It's like, oh my God. Guys are horrible secret keepers. Um, but what I do love is that the money starts eating away with at them instantly. Basically, mm-hmm. he gets home, and you can they're they're supposed to be in bed sleeping, and they're both they're both uh, you know staring at the wall, eyes eyes open, trying to think about what's going to happen with this money, and that's when she has the first idea: return five hundred thousand dollars of it. And take the rest because who's going to leave that much money there? And so her ideas cause more death, right? Mm. Because she decides to take the $500,000 and then that's when we get to the point that we were just talking about. And so from that, you you get the death of the farmer. And then she has an idea later on. Uh, what was it? Um, oh, record Lou. Trying to record Lou admit that he did the killing of the farmer and that results in Lou dying and Lou's wife dying. So, I mean, these two plans that she have both result in murders. So just what shitty circumstances, man. I did love, um, while his brother is not necessarily mentally all there. Yeah. He came up with a brilliant fucking idea to get Lou to confess to it. Dude, I thought I was like, oh my God, this is the most, awkward fucking thing ever like why is he doing this like i was pissed at him i'm like are you serious like you're gonna fuck over your brother like this like what is going on you asshole and then it hit and i was like oh my god how in the fuck did he come up with jacob come up with this really good story he even had hank believing that things were on the rocks like yeah it it was just brilliant i was I was very surprised that he was able to come up with that. And I thought it was really, really well done because I, I bought it hook, line, and sinker. I thought for sure he was, you know, like fucking his brother over there. Like they were just going to shoot him or something. I didn't know what was going to happen, but 
Yeah, that was a really good scene. Really, really good scene. And then, I mean, we're just jumping all over the place, obviously, but who cares? And then at the end of that scene, yeah. the fucking the <laughs> shotgun sequence. Oh, my God. And, and the way Hank, when he shoots the wife, she flies back to the sink. Oh, so good. So, so good. I, I loved that, um, you know, Raimi loves to do these wild technical shots and a mm-hmm. lot of other stuff. I liked that he's very restrained with this. I mean, I don't think he oh, really yeah. had the prep time to go nuts mm-hmm. with a lot of the camera shots, but he lets the characters tell the story. Right. It is very absolutely very right. Centered on this. Yeah. And and why it works so well is because these characters, I at least in my eyes, are just fascinating. I, I love watching them. Um and, and hearing the stories that Jacob tells. Um, especially that one where the only girl he's ever dated was paid by her friends as a dare to date him. I mean, it's just, it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And the the amount of the desire that he has to, to live in the farm and why he wants to live in the farm, heartbreaking. When he tells, when Hank finds out that Jacob believes that their dad killed himself instead of it just being an accident, Bill Paxson's reaction, heartbreaking. I mean, it's just... It is all about the characters, and they are so perfectly acted. I absolutely love that. <coughs> Sorry, uh, yeah, no, they, no, they did a they, they yeah. That was the one thing I liked about this, and um, it, it, all the characters they did a great job. Just I, this was really well cast. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently, Billy Bob Thornton and. Um, uh, Bill Paxton had actually been cast for this before they were going to film it, and then it fell through. Okay, uh, it fell oh. through, and then it got picked up by another studio, and then the Sam Raimi got attached to direct it, and they got back on. So <laughs> mm. they had actually lost it at one point, and then got it back. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Um, I just and I think the the movie does such a great job of of painting them into a corner. Uh, they are. I, I just felt they once they made this decision, they've trapped themselves because of uh, basically I feel like it's the murder, you know, the smothering of the farmer and the cover up at that point. There's there's really no going back because if you turn yourself in, it's not just, oh, I took some money from the plane. It's, oh, I killed a man like and once that hits, which is why I think it's so important uh, in the film that it happens so early. Because once that hits, they're trapped. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's really no place to go without spending much of your life in prison. Yeah. And I think it's the way they set that up, the way the writer sets that up is is intentional and it is very effective. Yeah. I liked too where his wife was flipping out about, did you leave tracks? Was there blood? Right. Was there this? You know, yeah. she's like, did you check? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, it doesn't yeah. matter. It's going to snow. We'll it's going to snow. And, right. and then like they turn on the news and they just found the body. It's like, yeah. Oops. <laughs> but that's yeah, uh, crazy. I don't remember when I wrote this down, but I did. I said, it's a simple fucking plan. Just stick to it. It's like, yes, that's that's the whole point of this damn movie. It was such a simple plan. And but not, not one of them stuck to it. Not a single one of nope, them. Nope. Not one. Human nature got in the way and not a single one of them could deal with it. Um, so right before that scene, which I think, and, and looking back on it, it makes a lot more sense now. 
um, because it's just a, kind of an establishing shot, basically. Uh, not an establishing shot, but establishing the character. And so right before the scene where um, Jacob turns into this savant and, uh, you know, you get the death of, G- of um, Lou and the death of Lou's wife, you have that bar f- scene. And it almost ends in a bar fight. And I thought, wow, that's random as hell. Why is that? But I think that's important because all you've heard up to that point or after that point, I guess, in the next scene, they talk about how basically Lou is the town drunk. Mm-hmm. He is the the one who, you know, gets drunk and they start, in a, you know, starts yelling at obscenities at his wife in public and everything. And I think the the importance of that bar scene was to show how little it takes to set him off. Yeah. And so it makes perfect sense. It's a perfect, a perfectly logical uh, step of actions, you know, uh, series of actions. When he finds out that his best friend in the world basically fucked him over, that he goes for the gun because he's drunk and that's what he does. He has a short temper. And so at first I thought that bar fight was really random. Fucking shotgun. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I thought, I mean, it's just so well done with with kind of the order of things. Um, And then speaking of sympathy for Jacob, so Jacob shoots Lou, but I felt like he had no other option. I felt like he literally had no other option because it was either, not literally, that's, I'm using the word incorrectly, but (laughs) he, he, it was either, it was either Lou was going to kill his brother or he was going to kill Lou. And those were the only two options at that point. So he did have an option. Those yeah. were the only two options though. And so I felt so bad for him because he just kept pleading with him. Don't do it. Put put the gun down. Don't do it. Don't do it. But he Lou looked like he was about to. And so he had to pull that trigger to save his brother's life. And then just the, he's sitting there and the, he goes to the basement. His response. Oh, it was just – he's so – Ah, heartbreaking is just the word that keeps coming to mind. And you can tell how much it affected him because the next day, uh, or maybe not the next day, but maybe a couple days later, whatever it was, the police officer brings Jacob to um, Hank's house, right? And he's like, I found him at Lou's house. So, I mean, you know it affected him in such a uh, severe way. Yeah. And that's when we get one of, I think, one of the, the better lines in the whole film when he's laying down when Jacob's laying down on Hank's bed and Hank's doing like the thing on his back, he's like, oh, your back goes to sleep. Your neck goes to sleep. Your shoulders go to sleep. Hank just says, or Jacob just says, Hank, do you ever feel evil? And I was, oh my God, that's it. Like, how would you not? Yeah. Oh, it's so, oh, it's so good. So good. Loved it. I felt like for sure that Jacob was going to blow this whole thing wide open after he killed Lou because he I figured he would soon realize that he killed the only real friend he has and that he's going to be left alone when his brother leaves and just decide it wasn't worth it anymore mm-hmm. and then and and the reason I got that was because that one shot that one scene of him sitting alone drinking in the bar do you remember that shot it was yeah very simple but that's that little shot just gave me so much information and I thought for sure that this was about to end because Jacob was just going to lose it. And I was like, oh man, Raimi did such a good job with, with his shot selection in this, in just the way 
this is put together, mm-hmm. I think is, is, is very important and, and very well done. Yeah. I, I, Raimi didn't actually have a lot of time to work on it from what I okay. understand. Um, the, the previous director had problems and he, uh, he fell through, um, but oh. he'd done all the location scouting and, okay. and like prep work. So Raimi basically came in and had to deal with whatever the previous director had done, but I think he did amazing. It just, Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I forgot the one of my favorite parts after after Jacob says, "Hank, do you ever feel evil?" Is there's that shift of focus. So, uh, you know, the camera's focused on Jacob's face. He says it, and then it sh- changes the focus over to Jacob's face, all in the same shot. And Jacob is just he's mortified. He's <laughs> you can tell that this is something that. He's been feeling, but to hear it out loud is something different, you know? And then all in the same shot, no no change, boom, right back to the focus being on Jacob. I, it's so poignant. So well done. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and then you uh, you already feel like Jacob is just kind of this pathetic character. In, in, I, like, at least I did. I felt bad for him. Um, you know, with this whole – obviously, the, the idea that he can't get a job – he can't work. Uh, his, you know, his car's beat to shit. Um, his best friend is the town drunk and his beautiful dog, who was awesome, Mary Beth. Um, and then he tells this story that we already mentioned about about the girl being paid to date him, and that was it. And just talks about how if he has this money, he doesn't he doesn't care if it's because of the money, but he wants to feel a kiss and feel what that's like. And it's just, oh my god. Like you said, it's it's all about the characters, and they're so strong in this. They're just riveting. I love that. The cop, I thought, I thought Carl was a very interesting character because I thought at a couple points that he knew what was going on, that he was basically about to call Hank's bullshit, but it never happens. It never happens. Carl, you know, he he's a small town officer, right? Small town sheriff. He thinks he knows these people. And like we already talked about, Hank is not somebody that it is going to do these things, is, is capable of these things, right? So, yeah. Um, I mean, he, when he, but when he came to the barber shop, I guess is what it was, he was getting shaved in the cut. He's like, you know, can you, uh, whatever, he need, come to the um, police station in the morning, you know, I want to find a, a plane or something. I'm like, that was really weird because Hank didn't even question it. Cause I feel like I'm Hank and I'm trying to hide this. And the cop tells me, hey, I need you to help me find a plane. It's like, uh, why Why would I be able to help you find a plane? You know what I mean? I thought that was an interesting moment. I thought for sure the cop knew something. But he obviously didn't. Well, they had mentioned that that from earlier in the movie, his brother talking about the plane. But hearing it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, so that was pretty much it right there. Yeah. I think that was yeah, part that's of the true. reason. But... Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and a lot of times, you know, small towns, people work together for group stuff, but. Yeah, right. What else? So, I thought for sure. So, I wrote down, what the fuck? Sarah's going insane with these conspiracy theories. All of a sudden, she thinks the FBI guy is the fucking brother of the dead pilot. Insane. And then, that's exactly what happens. And that just uh, blows my mind. I love that, though. Through all of this, and it happens earlier on in the film, too. So, even though they have this money and, and all these things are happening, he's he's literally murdered a man, 
Jacob's murdered a man. He's murdered two people at, at, at when it gets later in the film, obviously with the wife. They have all this shit going on, yet they're and they're talking to each other through their everyday lives, right? Mm-hmm. You see earlier they are wash they're washing the baby at one point, they're eating dinner, they're cleaning the dishes, and so on. It's it's this this money, this cover up has just become a part of their lives. And it became that way so quickly. And I and I think that's just uh, one shows visually how much this has kind of infected them, right? Infected their lives. And I thought that was very fascinating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't connect it at all that Sarah, Sarah's ideas were basically, and Hank says it at some point, but both of Sarah's ideas are, well, actually, all not well, all of them, I guess, were ending up in murder. Um, but <laughs> every time she suggests something. I mean, it's the logical thing to do. Right. But yeah. it gets them even more fucked, you know? Mm-hmm. But when I, I, I like Sarah, but when she, lo- I did, but then when she lost me was when she starts trying to manipulate him, manipulate Hank into keeping the money by talking, basically talking about how pathetic their life is and how how bad they've had it before and how she couldn't possibly be happy if things stay the same i thought that was just just i thought what an awful person i couldn't believe she was doing that and that's that dark side i was talking about i just didn't feel yeah. like she was a good person and it really came out right then do you remember what i'm talking about toward the yeah. end when she's like yeah i oh, man yeah, did that well, strike you at I all i get that though with her reaction to the teddy bear uh, when she pulls the teddy bear out and she looks mm-hmm. at it, she's like, "Oh, it's used." Yeah, it's not what it's not what a nice gesture. First, it's oh, right, it's used. Yeah, and then she's kind, and then she's like, or he's like, "Oh, that was my brother's or whatever," and she's like, "Oh, so I guess it's kind of sweet or whatever." Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not exactly the warm reception you would want from from this guy who literally at the end. Oh my God, he says, "Just tell the little girl the bear was from me." Right before he wants to kill himself. I'm like, oh my god. Oh, it was so sad. Yeah, because he couldn't live with it. Exactly. And then I wrote, you know, um, I just wrote, whoa, baby, this film doesn't stop. So Sarah's cries to come home while, while Hank is trying to hide the conversation on the phone in the police station. You remember what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man, I thought that was just so well done. Um, she never says that he's not the FBI agent, but it's definitely implied, which obviously, cause I was wondering if maybe they were going somewhere with that. Um, but I thought that was fascinating, but just that, that juxtaposition of, okay, honey, I'm going to, I got to go now. The, the guys are waiting for me and, and no, please don't go. Please don't. I thought it was so good. Um, and then he goes, and I thought the, um, Hank was a very ballsy motherfucker because he decides that he's going to steal a gun from the police station. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. But I guess like he's you're just in so far. There's no telling. That's like you, you can never know what you would do unless you are in the situation, you know. And I just feel like he, that's a great example of that. He's so far in stealing a gun from them is nothing at this point. Like it's just something that has to be done in order to try to maintain his survival. Mm-hmm. I loved I loved to the because you're so used to you know in most sheriffs places keeping their bullets 
organized yeah. everything else. <laughs> the dude yeah. just laying in a drawer. And I know. Fucking Carl. He took. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that yeah, was beautiful. funny. And then just how uncomfortable he was with the gun as he was, you know, in the car and then getting out and trying to figure out how to, like, carry it correctly oh, in, yeah. his, I thought, in his I thought he junk. got caught at one point because uh, Gary Cole looks in the back. Right. And and he just had the gun and he looks back and then uh, he's, mm-hmm. he's rubbing his hands on the gloves instead. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, you were so close, buddy. <laughs> Man. I, I I loved the end. So poor Carl. I really liked Carl. But Carl gets shot from behind or uh, from the FBI, the fake FBI agent. And I really didn't see Hank's plan working. So he gets in the in the in the plane to try to you know get the money and pulls it out, and he gets the one bullet in one bullet, and I thought for sure it was gonna uh, not like he was gonna pull the trigger and it it wouldn't it, you know would have been like a blank shot basically you know what I'm saying like the bullet wasn't in that cartridge I don't fucking use guns I don't know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about though, <laughs> but he pulls the trigger and blows his brains out I'm like oh my god. I I was I literally like gasped. I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, this is happening, and and he fucking did it with one his one bullet, and and then like he's saying, basically they're home free at that point. But mm-hmm. the guilt, the the everything, the the weight that the the evil that Jacob had been feeling is just too much for him. And that those final moments, and he, oh God, he's like, if you can't do it, I'll, I'll just kill myself. And I'll just do it myself. And it's like, oh man. But then he, obviously, Hank ends up doing it. But man, oh man, that was that was a brutal couple couple minutes there. And yeah. I thought it was just very emotional and well done. Absolutely, yeah. I was just like, oh Jesus. <laughs> um, and then as. as so the next scene starts up right after the after Jacob is shot and everybody else is shot. And I wrote down, if this was all for nothing, I swear to God. And then what happens? Of course, it was all for nothing. Because um, they tell him, they tell Hank that they you know spent two hours with the money writing down one out of every 10 bill basically is what it came out to. Mm-hmm. And what kills me... So this is their way out. Burn the money, be done. But no, the wife is still thinking about the money, begging him not to do it. And he actually has to physically push her out of the way to burn the money. Clearly, he has learned his lesson. Why hasn't she? She wasn't there when, you know, the people died. Yeah, it wasn't as real for her. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, yeah. it could absolutely be it. It just wasn't as real. It's human nature, honestly. Um, if you don't experience it, if you don't see it in your lifetime mm-hmm. or or witness something, it's not not as powerful, and it's much right. easier to disbelieve. I mean, look, look at the people who deny the Holocaust happened and and other stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just like fucking insane. Really. Uh, but right. yeah, you know, it, it, it's the same, same thing, you know, it's like, oh, that'll never happen. It mm-hmm. has happened and it will happen. Yeah. Uh, That's crazy. Yeah. So <laughs> what, what are your, your final thoughts and anything else you want to add about simple plan and your star rating? Um, I really liked the, the kind of Midwest feel to it. 
well it, yeah. it, it felt a lot like fargo but not funny uh it was it that itself, literally that's yeah <laughs> that's what i wrote down too yeah it took itself a lot more seriously and was definitely uh trying to tell more of a character driven piece um mm-hmm. i liked that it focused on the two brothers and their relationship and uh you know it was kind of it was about those two and in, in dealing with all this along with everything else. Um, yeah. Even I, the slower moments were fascinating. I would yeah. definitely agree with you because the conversations they were having, I thought were so engaging. Yeah. Um, it, it just, it was, it was really well cast. I think my, probably my only complaint about it would have been, um, I was expecting Gary Cole to have a much bigger part. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he's like yeah. featured like really prominently in the opening credits, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, and and he doesn't show up until much later in the movie, um, right? But uh, yeah, I don't know. I I I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was really well shot, and especially knowing that they basically had to use what was left over from another director and kind of pick up and shoot from there. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it's my wife put it. We all know how that worked out for X Men Three, um, <laughs> but uh, it, but uh, you know, so I think I think it's I a pretty phenomenal film given the cons- you know the circumstances surrounding it, and I'm mm-hmm. surprised it's not on more people's radar. I'd give it a three and a half out of four. Excellent. Yeah. So. Uh, wow. A Simple Plan was a fucking ride. I, I cannot believe I haven't heard more people talk about this movie. Um, it's an incredibly well-crafted story, and Raimi tells it flawlessly. The performances are excellent. And as good as Paxton is, and he's fantastic here, don't get me wrong, but Billy Bob Thornton really steals the show. Oh, he gets every bit, yeah, he gets every bit of sympathy out of Jacob, and it's really remarkable. Um, this was a two-hour film, but it flew by for me. I was on the edge of my seat during the tense moments, and there were a lot of them. This is the exact type of film that people are looking for when they talk about finding underrated gems, because A Simple Plan is fantastic. It actually reminded me, like you were saying, of uh, kind of like the neo-noir version of Fargo. It had less black comedy and a lot more tension, but I think that small town atmosphere and all these these snowy locales, um, plus it dealt with very similar themes, kidnapping, murder, extortion. Um, They're all very reminiscent of Fargo, but I feel like... A Simple Plan may be more accessible than Fargo because it does ditch that black comedy aspect. And I feel like more people would be able to relate with this film's characters. And I know that when I showed Fargo to one of my uh, classes, they it was kind of lukewarm because they didn't understand that it was funny. And, you know, and so I feel like some people just don't like that aspect of it or don't quite get that aspect of it. And so I feel like this is a, a movie that you could show or talk about, you know, in that same vein, just without that, with that black comedy. Yeah. Um, and I think Simple Plan shines with its characters, as we've talked about a lot. They're all three-dimensional, they're all detailed, and they're all relatable in one way or another. I'm honestly surprised how much I enjoyed a Simple Plan because, like I said, I, I never hear anyone talk about it ever. It's a thrill ride, though, and wonderfully emotional. So I'm ha- going to have to give Simple Plan four out of four stars. Very nice. Hell yes. Yeah, I'm really glad that this one was brought up because I'm, I'm very glad to now have, have that in my uh, in my repertoire of something that I've seen. So Awesome. So before we log off for the day, 
Let's move over to round 24 of the Besting the Backlog Challenge, where we try to conquer our personal backlogs one week at a time. And just as a reminder, for this feature, each one of us takes a look at the other's unwatched pile, be it their home video collections or one of their streaming services like Netflix, Amazon Instant Video, or Vudu, and pick one film the other hasn't seen yet and challenge them to watch that film before the next podcast, where they then give a quick review of that film. So, this week... Uh, so what do we do here? So Ash, you are going to talk about Zack and Mir make a porno from 2008 that I assigned to you like three episodes ago. <laughs> and I am going, <laughs> and I'm going to watch uh, 2000 or I'm going to talk about rather 2012's strippers versus werewolves, which Mark gave me last week. Mark will talk about the road on next week's show. So Ash, how was Zack and Mir make a porno? And this is one I, uh, I gave to you. So how did you like that one? I honestly had no idea that it was a Kevin Smith film. Oh, okay. Yeah. I did not know it was one of his movies at all. Um, and you can tell it's a Kevin Smith film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that could either be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on who you're talking to. Um, it reminds me a lot of Clerks and Clerks 2. Um, okay. It, it has a lot of... Uh, more Clerks 2 than Clerks 1. Um, but it has a lot of that kind of uh, vibe going to it. Um, it's funny. Uh, the, it's witty. They they do some neat stuff with it. Um, they, just some of the... Oh my... The, the moment they realize that the guy that she wanted to sleep with to get revenge on in high school is gay is hilarious. Uh, you know, there's <laughs> a lot of great moments in this movie. Uh, that there is a really disgusting one towards the end. So be prepared for that. Cause wow. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, it, it, there's a lot of Kevin Smith, uh, pop-ups in this. Um, uh, Jay is in it, but not as Jay. I can't remember what his character's name is in it, but he's one of the porn actors. Um, one of the guys from clerks is in it. And, you know, it, there's a, there's a couple of, you know, holdovers from other Kevin Smith movies that show up. Um, but it's it's funny. Um, it's lewd and crude, and the you know the them filming the sex scenes is hilarious. Um, but uh, no, it's it's pretty good. Uh, it has it has a kind of a, it's almost a romantic comedy, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. It is. Uh, but uh, no, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, not, I didn't. It is, but isn't the typical Seth Rogen role for him, uh, because I, I don't think he's necessarily the stoner. He's just kind of the lovable loser. Um, so that, I think, helped a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, I'd give it a three out of four easy. Good. Excellent. Yeah. You know, I watched this so long ago. I don't remember a lot of it, a lot of it, frankly. Um, but I remember it being decent. Like I yeah. thought it was, I was hoping for it to be better than it was, but I still laughed a bit. So it was worthwhile. So I, I thought it was fun. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't his best movie, but it was a lot of fun. Good. Excellent. Yep. So um, I watched Strippers versus Werewolves from 2012. So this is actually a Blu-ray I received from a contest that Chuck... Uh, also known as Smarmy Jerkface on Twitter, was holding a couple years back um, during his 30 Horror Movies in 30 Days video challenge. Um, I actually won a giant box filled with movies. Um, and if I remember right, this was one of like, the only Blu-ray in the group. So I definitely would not have bought this one on my own, but was glad to receive it for free from Chuck. And just as a plug for Chuck, he's also a host of the Bad Movie Fiends cast. So definitely check that out if you haven't already. But anyway, Strippers vs. Werewolves is... 
absolutely exactly what you think it is. A group of strippers run into a pack of werewolves and only one of the groups are going to survive. So there's a little bit more to it than that, but it really doesn't matter, honestly. It's uh, just about seeing who will come out alive, the strippers or the lichens. So surprisingly enough, this was better than I expected it to be. Um, there's nothing fantastic about it, mind you, but it has a very interesting comic book vibe to it, the way they do some of the shots uh, and some of the transitions and whatnot. And there are some really nice uh, shots that make it uh, in the film. And so it kind of it stands above other independent films of this ilk. Um, I was a bit surprised that there wasn't more nudity in this, seeing as strippers is in the title, but we do get some and the girls are very pretty anyway. So, um, the special effects are fine again, better than you might expect from something like like this, but you're still going to have to deal with some less than stellar acting performances and a bit of a stupid story. Um, you actually find out a couple minutes into it, so it's not a spoiler, um, that the main stripper we're following who kills a werewolf at the start of the movie by stabbing it in the eye with her silver pen, um, is actually engaged to a different werewolf of the same pack. Um, the thing is, her fiancé doesn't know she's a stripper, and she doesn't know he's a werewolf. So that's kind of basically the whole gist of the film. Um, there are some genuinely good characters in this, though. But unfortunately, the best character, played by, uh, I believe it was by Simon Phillips, he isn't used that much. That said, when he is on screen, I was laughing out loud a lot. I thought he was just a really good actor with excellent comedic timing. So I really enjoyed him. Oh, and there's also a, a really good cameo from Robert England that I liked a lot. Um, but yeah, so strippers versus werewolves, it's a horror comedy, but the comedy is very hit or miss. Like I said, there's some characters that, that really nail it, but uh, like our main girl that we're following, the main stripper, she's just – she's a decent actress, but she's not very funny when she's trying to be. So that was a little uh, – you know, some instance where I missed. But still, it felt like a very ambitious indie film that mostly succeeds. I wouldn't recommend purchasing it, but if you can catch it streaming somewhere, you might get a kick out of it if you enjoy films like this. So I'm giving Strippers vs. Werewolves two and a half out of four stars. Two and a half? Yeah. <laughs> two and a half. <laughs> So, Ash, have you um, decided on a film for me to watch for next week? Oh, dear God. No, I haven't. Um... Okay. You look for that. I will um, give you my pick for you. So, what I did for you this week, I went onto your letterboxed and looked at your personal cinefashions because um, Mark and I did that for each other a couple weeks back. And so, I feel like I need to pick one for you so that uh, you're on the same page. So, I checked on which films were available for you streaming. And there was only one. And so that's what you're going to be watching this week. Oh. And that is okay. 1972's Way of the Dragon. Oh. From your personal cinefessions list. And that is streaming on Netflix. So you get to watch Way of the Dragon. Wait, I'm going to go add that right now because <laughs> I will forget. Right. I know. I always forget. So I always write mine down too. And then, uh, just as a reminder, Mark is watching The Road from 2009, and he'll be talking about that next week as well. So, Ash, what in the hell do I get to watch for next week? I am assigning you, buddy. No, no, it's not something. Well, it could be awful, <laughs> depending on how you look at it. Uh, but it's got Willis uh -oh. Krieger in it, and that's always not a bad thing. Uh, and Ron Perlman's in it. I forgot he was in it. Okay. Uh, so oh, yes. no shit. Yeah, Stephen King's Sleepwalkers from uh, 1992. Oh, excellent. Good. Yeah, I've definitely not seen that one. Never read that one. So hopefully it's good. Looking forward to it. So excellent. This is going to be a good week. So just as a recap. 
For next week, we will be talking. Mark will be talking about The Road from 2009. I will be talking about Sleepwalkers from 1992. And Ash, you will be talking about The Way of the Dragon from 1972. Yes. Fan fucking tastic. So that is going to be that for this week. So next week, Mark will be back. So we'll be at, back at full strength again and reviewing the horror film Frailty from 2001. So make sure you track down a copy of that one to watch with us. And if you have a question for the three of us here at the Cinefessions Podcast, please hit us up using that hashtag in film we trust for all your questions you'd like us to answer here on the show. And we will do our best to answer all of them. And again, make sure you tweet at us using that hashtag in film we trust. If for some reason you're not on Twitter, Call us at 1-302-448-TALK or email us at contact at cinefessions.com for any question of the week options. And as always, if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or wherever else it is that you might be listening to us. Positive reviews help us get more listeners, so we really appreciate you taking the time to leave us that review. And remember, as we announced um, earlier, as we, I guess, reminded earlier, <laughs> Uh, you can, anyone who leaves us a review during the month of April on iTunes will be entered in to win a $20 Amazon gift card to the store of their choice. And the winner is going to be announced on episode 91 of the Cinefessions podcast. So make sure, if you haven't already, you're leaving us that review on iTunes. And just a reminder, you can always reach us on social media. We love to interact with our listeners there. You can find us at Cinefessions on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So make sure you're following us on all three of those platforms. Also, Ash, where can we find you online? Uh, Twitter at DHGF Ash, A-S-H. Excellent. And you can follow me on my personal uh, Twitter feed at Simon1. That's P-S-Y-M-I-N-1. And you can also find me on Letterboxd at that same name. Ash, what's your Letterboxd account? Uh, stupid asshole doesn't update. Uh, <laughs> uh, you I asked that same thing to Mark last week, and he didn't remember his either. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta update mine. The last time I updated it was the beginning of March. So, oh, okay. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, you can find me uh either Ash Collins or uh that way, or if you look up Ash Five K, that'll go there. Too. Ash Five K, perfect, excellent. All right, thank you for joining me, Ash. It was great to have you back. I'm glad you are. I'm glad you had a great vacation, and I'm even happier that you're back with us. Well, thank you. <laughs> All right, so I want to thank everyone for listening to the 88th episode of the Cinefessions podcast. And remember, in film we trust. We'll catch you next time. Hey.